Welcome to episode 3 of 808s and Hot Takes. It's your boy Rock. I'm here with your other boy, Rio. What's up, Rio? Hey, D-Rock, my mans. How you doing, son? Great. It's great to be back. Another episode of Upad. I'm so excited. Did you happen to catch the game last night? I perhaps caught that game. What a crazy, great game to end the series. I couldn't have asked for a better Game 7. I would have been so pissed if it was another blowout. Um, I'm just still like kind of digesting what all went down during that. I mean, it was it almost like went too fast for me. For anyone who wasn't watching last night, and if you weren't, then why are you listening to this podcast? (laughs) But uh, the Cavs won 93 to 89 game seven NBA finals. It was less of a basketball game and more of a theatrical performance. I don't think you can go, like, we'll go our entire lives without seeing anything like that again. It was LeBron coming back, trying to bring a championship to Cleveland after 50 years, being the first to be down 3-1, to one, going up against the literally the best team ever in terms of record of the regular season. It was unbelievable. There was so much drama surrounding this game. You couldn't write like a better sports movie. I agree. I was fully enthralled the entire time watching that game. And, you know, and it's not like there was any spectacular individual performances by any means. I mean, LeBron had a triple double, but I mean, he did shoot. It was like nine for 25 from the field. Um, but the one thing that doesn't, uh, you wouldn't expect, Kevin Love was a team high plus 19 during the game. I know he had about 14 or 15 rebounds. Only about six points, but I don't know if you noticed him slap the cuffs on Steph Curry of last possession. Steph was trying to get a three off, and they just let K Love go in on him, and he stuck with him the whole time, despite him trying to get away as much as he could. He played unbelievable defense on that possession, and I think that's kind of indicative of Steph's play lately. The the bigger the moment, kind of the worse shot he takes, which makes him a predictable guy to defend. Uh Kevin Love also four huge offensive rebounds. I believe a lot occurred in the first half because when I was watching it, I remember thinking, wow, he's really keeping them in this game with his offensive rebound. The, one of the things that stuck out to me, unbelievable performance by LeBron James on the defensive end, three chase down blocks. Yeah. One being an incredible block at the end. That steal of the dump off pass from Draymond Green where he looked like a cornerback. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> jumping a route and then dump, uh, passing it up to Mo Williams. I, I've i got a hot take right now. I think that LeBron now has the two best blocks in NBA history. If you take into account difficulty and circumstance, this block on Andre Iguodala at the end of the game and the block on Tiago Splitter in the first oh, series yeah. with the Spurs. That's Dude, a bold, that is a very hot take. That's a steaming one. I mean, people at home, email me. Let me know if there's any other blocks. Email like Mario, you, can you think of any? I mean, you'd have to go back. I feel like there's some, in, in terms of you're just talking strictly just the situation, I mean, uh, it's so hard to say, though, because I'm sure Bill Russell had him a few good blocks in big games. <sighs> I'm sure Wilt did, you know, but. I mean, I think that one last night, though, has to be up there. And that has to be up there somewhere because that was just sheer athleticism there. And, like, I'm sure, obviously, uh, you know, your adrenaline is just flowing at that point. And there was no doubt in his mind he was getting that. And it was really happy to see that it was validated where in the replay he did, in fact, pin that. There was no, like, 
no chance of it being a being a goaltend. So that would have like really taken away some of the the spark from it. But I mean, what a performance! And I think I'll at least agree with you on that block. I think in terms of being like situational and the impact that had, I, it's got to be up there. Agreed. It was it was just so pretty too. Um, I'm a well known Kyrie Irving hater. I think he tries to play isolation basketball way too much, and it really hurts the Cavs. But wow, when he took that three last night, it probably couldn't have been a worse shot decision wise. <laughs> it was. Falling back, hand in his face, long three after dribbling the air out of the ball for 24 seconds. But it went in, and he stepped up and won the game. What did you think about that? I thought it took some brass balls there, man. I mean, <laughs> especially, you know, there's a minute left. You would think, all right, LeBron got us here. I'm going to let him I'm gonna let him eat. But, I mean, I guess when you have Curry on you, though, I mean, might as well, it's not like he had. He was, you know, he had the the advantage there in terms of size. And... I think it was that ball, though, you know, if he gets a decent look, all that adrenaline, minute left, like, I feel like that's always going to go in for some reason. It's always that. <laughs> and the thing is, though, we would not even be talking about this if the Warriors would have made, like, one shot in the last five minutes. Like, they were just chucking threes the whole time. All they needed was a couple, like, a quick bucket or even a foul shot here and there. Clay Thompson and Steph Curry combined for one foul shot yesterday. That's inexcusable from their star players. And, yeah, they they didn't score in the last four minutes and 30 seconds. They had no points. They were at 89 at that point. Steph Curry also, for the series, more turnovers than assists. I, I, don't, I don't really know what's gotten into the, the Warriors. Like, do you think that this running and gunning, splashing around style of basketball is sustainable at this level? I mean, it was sustainable for 73 wins, but the, the Thunder really looked like they should have beat them. And the Cavs ended up beating them. And in the way that they did it, it was almost like they figured it out. They won the last three games in a row. Yeah, I think in terms of sustainability, it was it was just a combination of they had a game plan that played to their strengths in terms of them just running and shooting uh, long jumpers. But, I mean... When it comes to the playoffs, though, it's a totally different game. Uh, you're not going to get to the free throw line as much. You're really not going to have that much room to uh, any separation in terms of getting your offense going. So, you know, live by the three, die by the three. I mean, they showed that, like, I mean, that those last four and a half minutes, they just threw up some of the ugliest shots. They weren't even getting close on those. And you can't be chucking up shots and just looking like you're – they just look completely desperate. And a team that's supposed to be the greatest team of all time – they just looked like that they had they were done. I mean, in those last that last minute after Kyrie made that shot, it didn't look like there was just like no type of organization. They were just in complete discord there. I mean, I, I you're right. I hate to be one of those guys that tries to tell everyone what the player is thinking in their mind. Like, oh, I can for sure read Steph Curry's mind. But I don't know how you can watch that game and not think that the moment just got too big for them. They even at the start of the game, they were just bricking threes left and right. It looked like they had way too much energy to be out there. And taking this one and dropping it at home like that, you only put up, I mean, I guess the NBA Finals, but you're supposed to be like this incredible offensive force. You're putting up 89 in a game seven. This is when your guys are supposed to show out. And Draymond Green had an incredible game. And any other day that he puts up those type of numbers, they're going to win because that means that Steph probably got his and Clay got his. But they were like completely absent. I mean, it was 
it was very it was like a different team out there. They just looked they looked like they you could tell they weren't going to win this one, man. I didn't think the body language looked good. I thought that they had walked into that building already assuming it was over. And even with Cleveland committing so many turnovers, just being messy with the ball in the first half, they were still with them the whole time. It, if you were watching it without the scoreboard, you would have thought at the end of the first half, the Cavs would have been down by a significant amount. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and I think when the Warriors played their game, when they were moving the ball around, they were getting good shots. But the larger the moment got and the more pressure was on them, the more they wanted to kind of show everyone that they could hit crazy three-pointers, and it didn't end up working out. But uh, we got to talk about the man of the night, which everyone knows is LeBron James. And anyone who thought for a second that he wasn't the best player in the NBA can now take that opinion back. I think it was pretty clear who the best player on the floor for that series was. How do you think this affects LeBron's I hate to use this word, but legacy. How do you think this will affect how he goes down? <laughs> I think there's a huge difference in uh, being, what, is he now three and six in finals now? I believe he's... Uh, or, I'm he sorry, lost... not three and six, not three and three, and three in finals, right? Instead of two and four? Th- three and four, because Cavs, yeah, right, two with the Heat, one with the Cavs. So, yeah. being three and four, much different than being two and five, I feel like that would have been, even though winning two championships and going to the finals six years in a row is no nothing to bat an eyelash at um you that's absolutely something that should already solidify him as an absolute like a legend but all, everyone's always talking about how what's going to impact his legacy and i think not only did he bring one back to cleveland he he got one for the land ended the drought and not only doing that being a guy that's had so much mileage on his body never really had a major injury he's been playing pretty much competing and in the playoffs about every year except for his rookie year. And the fact that he's the first player to lead both teams in all major major statistical categories, not just in the finals, in any series in the history of the NBA, it's never been done. And he did it in the finals against the best team ever. So that's just an absolute ridiculous testament to that this guy is hands down. He You have to give him that, even if I don't think the crown was ever gone, but I mean, if it is, it's back with him because he completely outclassed them. Yeah, I, I mean, I I thought it was actually pretty funny when they went to announce the MVP. Like anyone <laughs> had any thought that it was someone else. If if you've ever played basketball, you know how difficult it is to lead in points, rebounds, assists, blocks, and steals. It doesn't even make sense. Like you shouldn't be able to do all of that at once. And I think I read today that he's. There's two people ever with four MVPs and three finals MVPs, and it's just him and Michael Jordan, which is also very impressive. And a thing that I know gets overlooked uh, for all the hate he got for, you know, everyone saying he was behind the firing of David Blatt or he wants his guys, like even though they didn't play, like James Jones and LeBron is the GM, owner, overlord. If that's all true and you're all going to give him shit when he's, you know, making personnel decisions, then reward the, reward him yep. when they win the championship because LeBron, the GM, just got a ring too. Yeah, maybe he'll give him two. But I got to say, in terms of like a championship being won by a team that I personally have no stake in, I I was pretty elated by this. I felt like really good watching this and seeing like, you know, all the post-game stuff and 
just seeing the emo- the emotion from you know them bringing a title back to Cleveland and you know LeBron's from there, so he's obviously well versed in the struggles they've been through as a, you know as that city feels about professional sports. So I just thought like it was just like a big exhale, and you know especially when he promised he was going to bring a title back to him, I thought it was an absolute absurd performance, one that I don't think is ever going to be forgotten by any means. I mean the numbers he was putting up. I think his last three games he was averaging. It was like 36, 11, and 9 on 50% shooting, 42% shooting from three, which are like – and the three-point percentage is a huge jump from his his uh, season statistics. So the man just turns it on in the playoffs. That's why he's the most difficult player to eliminate in sports possibly. Yeah, and that kind of reminds me of um, after game six when people were saying it's rigged to go to game seven, I said – uh well, if LeBron James is hitting his outside jumper, good luck. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's rigged the opposite way. Like it's just, it's never going to. Rule happen. is, if he makes a three, it's game over. They should just end it right there. <laughs> and you know what? He finally he hit a three with like five, like five or six minutes left last night, and lo and behold, they won it. Uh, but going back to the the post game thing, that was probably the most fun I've ever had watching a post game reaction with the players. Oh man. I, I, Come on, go ahead, Kevin Garnett, man. You can't say that Kevin Garnett was on the greatest Finals post game of all time. Come on. Yeah, you're a C's guy, and I do frequently like. I think it's funny to I am my coworkers. Anything is possible in all caps <laughs> for like really mundane things. But uh, I, I've no, got a question for you. What was up with no one consoling Tyron Lue when he's sitting there <laughs> on the bench by himself sobbing? This guy is your coach. He's spo- I, like we all know LeBron is Cleveland overlord for the rest of time, but he's actually in the position of coach. Someone should at least be hugging him. Like, <laughs> couldn't you know one of the fringe guys give him a nice no, hug? He got no love, and they supposedly like him. And but I, yeah, it was weird because they were showing the celebration every now and then. They'd pan back to T. Lou, and he's sitting on the bench still, just like inconsolable, but no one was even <laughs> over there. Not one person. He had to have had someone there, at least at the game, that could have come down and said something to him. <laughs> but you're right. None of the players were like going up to him. I think that's so strange. I feel like, what about his assistant coaches? He used to fire all of them. <laughs> he hired you to be there, and you got to make him look good when you guys win it. He made him look like he had no friends out there. Yeah, I'd fire all of them yesterday. <laughs> to be fair, he looks... He or he does not look very huggable at all. He just looks like a guy wouldn't want to hug. You know, like Timothy Mozgov. <laughs> I'd go right for him. Did you see the picture of Timothy Mozgov holding up? He's holding up a regular human-sized bottle of champagne, but it looks like one of those like airplane bottles in his hand. It was like yeah. he was holding a little toy <laughs> champagne bottle. That man is so very large, and I'm sure he drank a whole river full of vodka last night. Yeah, uh... Boban of the Spurs has some of my favorite giant person pictures. And he has actually a short wife who's actually really hot. But uh, <laughs> we we could go on about this game forever because I do think it's one of the best finals we've ever seen. But I do want to talk about something very important coming up. And I know it's near and dear to your heart. It's the NBA draft. That's the NBA draft coming up on Thursday. It's a big night. Boston Celtics own 18% of the draft. And in here, since, you know, although myself and D-Rock are complete experts on all types of all types of topics outside of sports, you know, clones. Cloning. I was going to say that, yeah. Blue whales. 
we, from now and time again, we like to bring in some outsourced help. And today we are pleased to welcome on our very first guest on 808s and Hot Takes. He is a, an NBA draft expert in every sense of the word. He's a good friend, general, decent guy all around. And he was the only person on earth who pegged Clint Capella as a stud player. Wow. And uh, he's here joining us today. His name is Brian Morris. Thank you for joining us today, Brian. I'm honored to be on uh, 808s and Hot Takes, and I love the Clint Capella shout-out. Not enough people give uh, the Swiss uh, baller the credit he really deserves of being baby Dwight Howard. And you know what? No one believed him except for you, and I'm I, I'm still <laughs> waiting on him to shout you out here. But um, <laughs> but so so the draft is coming up here on Thursday. Wait, uh, oh. uh, before we get started, Rio, Brian, can you speak to uh, Rio's claim that you're a generally all-around good person? He uses the term good very loosely, but uh, any compliments I'll gladly take when talking about my character. Hey, we got he's our first guest. We got to build him up. I can't just rip into our first guest. He's generally all-around a good person. That's a bold statement, but one I'll stick by. Um, so, Brian, myself and D-Rock here, you know, we're general good nba fans and we like the nba draft and we keep in touch with it but you know we're asking you the expert how are you feeling about this crop of talent here in this year's draft i think especially when you get to the euros this is a, a pretty deep draft a lot of people will say oh it's a two-person draft you got ben simmons and the 12 year old brandon ingram at the top but once you get past those two guys i think you got a lot more depth than people realize especially when you get over to my boys in croatia ante zizic and ivica zubak um there's i feel like there's a lot of rotational guys in this draft that looking back from years like last year a lot of people you know were talking about how it's top heavy and you got guys like devin booker and tyler Eulis and miles turner giving legitimate minutes to teams that although they were terrible still show that they deserve to be in the league. I think we're going to have the same thing with this class this year. Now, now uh, oh, go ahead, D-Rock. Brian, I got a, I got a question that may be on some people's minds here because I've seen it come up in uh, NBA draft discussions already. Between the two, Jamal Murray and Buddy Heald, do you think these guys – we all know they can shoot. Do you think these guys have what it takes to play defense on the next level? Um, No. Uh, Jamal Murray, Murray, um, he has the effort, but he's just not that athletic. And those kind of issues are going to show up in his offensive game in the next level, too. People talk about his offensive versatility. He came in at Kentucky, supposed to be a point guard, share the ball with Tyler Eulis. But he plays below the rim. You know, he's not even as athletic as James Young was. And um, though he has a good stroke, he's got a low release point. Uh, I think he's going to have difficulty getting the shot off at the next level. I don't care if he can make 79 out of 100 in the gym when no one's paying attention. Um, but when you got someone that's 6'5", with long wingspan in his face, I don't think he's going to be that effective. With Buddy Heald, um, he's a little bit of a better athlete. But even at Oklahoma, he didn't have to do a lot of the defensive uh, matchups for them. They had Isaiah Cousins usually take out the other team's top wing. So he kind of got a free pass. He got to use all of his energy on offense. And I think both of them, best case scenario, is their J.J. Redick, which isn't exactly what I'm looking for with, you know, a top five, top six pick in the draft. Now, so would you say you'd, you'd maybe expect one of these guys to slide? Are you hearing this from your inside sources? Or do you think GMs are probably still going to fall into 
taking Buddy Heal just because he was kind of the consensus, possibly the you know one or two best player in uh, college basketball this past season. Do you think they're still going to be snagging? Both those guys will probably be gone by the you know seventh pick. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we're talking about a league that took Nick Stauskas at eighth overall not too long ago. Um, <laughs> the teams are looking for shooting. Um, they're looking for offensive versatility, which Jamal Murray gives you. I don't think so much of Buddy Heald. He can't really handle the ball. Um, we don't know how good he is at getting his own shot against NBA-level athletes. Um, so it'll be interesting, but I think both of them still probably go in the top seven just because, you know, NBA GMs love that shooting. Now, is uh, is Ben Simmons at, to the Sixers and Brandon Ingram to the Lakers a lock? Do you see that going any other way? I don't think so. Uh, ben Simmons, uh, generational talent, maybe. I don't know if he's shooting with the right hand. I don't think he knows if he's shooting with the right hand. But <laughs> just that type of athleticism and uh, ability to handle the ball in today's NBA, he could be, you know, the the best point forward we have seen since LeBron James. Um, and with the small ball direction leagues are going, you can plug him at the four. He can even give you some minutes at the five. I think he's definitely a lock to Philly. Brandon Ingram, I'm not as high on him as other people. I don't know what he's going to defend. I don't know if he's going to be able to really maintain his skill set in the perimeter just because he weighs 180 pounds dripping wet. Um, just to put in perspective, Kevin Durant, when he came in the league, was weighing 220. Brandon Ingram <laughs> weighs 30 pounds less than him, which is mind-blowing to me. He's 6'9", 190. He literally looks like a 12-year-old kid just got stretched out way too long. Um, but he, he can still shoot. He can create a little bit. He's got good ball skills. It's just going to be a matter of whether or not he fills out his body. Uh, Rio, is there anyone in the top 10 you're liking? I, I personally am a fan of Jalen Brown. I see a little bit of Justice Winslow in him. I mean, is there any big names that you're getting behind? Well, you're actually in good company. Myself and draft expert Brian Morris, very big on Jalen Brown at number three for to our beloved Boston Celtics um, if they keep the pick. Um, I was big. Basically, for me, when I was looking at that third pick, I was thinking, looking for either Marquise Chris, Jalen Brown, or Dragon Bender. I would have been cool with any of those three. I'm noticing now it's looking like Bender is sliding a little bit. Um, Brian, do you think there's any? Do you think there's anything that's been coming out recently that they're just sliding, or do you think they've actually never been that high on him, and it's kind of just been smoke screens until now? He's been a relatively high prospect in this draft class for the past couple of years. Um, there's just always one, the Euro thing. GMs are always a little bit hesitant pulling the trigger on a guy that high in the draft from Europe. Didn't get a lot of minutes overseas. Um, but, you know, when you have a seven-footer that moves as well as he does, has good touch in this era of positionless basketball, you really think that he'll be able to carve out a niche in this league. But once again, it just comes down to how comfortable teams are with an 18-year-old that only played nine minutes a game overseas. Um, now... In terms of these, you know, projections and all of these mock drafts, do you see anyone that you think is like vastly overrated? And do you, on the contrary, do you see someone that's vastly underrated that you're a big fan of? Um, well, I will say that Deontay Davis, uh, I think he's a, a top eight talent. Um, you look at his per 40 over at Michigan State, he was averaging 16, 12, and four blocks with less Jeez. than five fouls a game. I mean, you're looking at a kid who can jump out of the gym. He's 6'11", with a 7'2 wingspan, weighs 240 pounds. He's got an NBA body, can still build to that frame a little bit. 
And I just feel like he is going to be prime Tyson Chandler. If you get him in the right situation, he's going to be able to do all those things defensively. And he even has a little bit of offensive game that can come with it that's more than just putbacks. Um, a guy that's rising up a lot of boards that I just simply don't understand is DeJounte Murray from Washington. 6'5", 170, another dude that looks like he's in middle school. Um, and, you know, people talk about this positionless basketball that a lot of teams are going to. I don't really see it with him. He can't shoot the three. He's athletic. He played at Washington. But if him and Marcus Chris and Tyron or him and Marcus Chris were at Washington, then they're both lottery talents. Why didn't the team have more success? Just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, and, you know, I don't know how his athleticism is going to translate to the NBA. You can't just blow by every defender you see like he did at Washington. And uh, there's a lot of guys in this draft that I feel like we haven't seen enough of. You know, we just talked about Dragon Bender and Thon Maker and and uh personal favorite of mine, Sheck Diallo from Kansas. I think he – I feel like I'd be comfortable taking him anywhere from like 14 to even second round if he's there, but I don't see him being there. Do you think he's got any potential? Oh, my goodness, yes. Bill Self has this weird thing where, like, he'll get, like, three of the top ten players in the country and only, like, one of them will get legitimate minutes. Like, remember when Wayne Selden went to Kansas? He was a top ten recruit and just never played, and now he's in this year's draft as, like, a 28-year-old that no one really is remembering. (laughs) Check Diallo was another one of those top ten guys. He's only played basketball for a couple years. Um, and he's just got the, the length. He's got the athleticism. He has a little bit more of an offensive game than people think. It's just kind of he didn't fit in. And also for the listeners out there, sorry, Rock, one second. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with Sheck Diallo, look him up. Let me know if you agree with me. I think he looks just like Bobby Shmurda. And this could be like, <laughs> this could be like the worst comp ever, and I'll get ripped on this. Man, my DM's going to be hot right now. But seriously, <laughs> let me know if you agree. I think it's a spitting image. <laughs> okay <laughs> that's a great that's a great take i think this has been a uh generally all-around good draft discussion <laughs> um but before we end it i'd like to do deep sleepers uh i got one a guy who probably won't even get drafted stefan jankovic uh a serbian man smooth jumper check out his workout if you don't believe me he's he's from my serbian heritage he's 6'11 and can really shoot He'll be in the league eventually. You heard it here first. Rio? Um, I'm not going to – I think I have a feeling who my man Brian's going to be going with. I don't want to steal his thunder. My sleeper, I'm going to go with Devin Thomas out of Wake Forest. Central Dolphin Pride from Central PA. He's a big bay. He's about 6'9". He's a thick man. Uh, led the ACC in rebounding of one or two years. You know what? He's projected somewhere in the top 100. So you know what? I might have to call in a favor with Danny Ainge, see if he can scoop him up, see if he can hook me up with some season ticks. But uh, I think he's a solid basketball player, but I uh, don't think he's going to get drafted. But if he does, you guys heard it here. Brian? <laughs> I love the Devin Thomas love. One of the very few people in the great state of Pennsylvania to shatter a backboard in the presence of LaShawn McCoy. I don't see anyone in this draft that can really claim that other than Devin Thomas. <laughs> I don't think anyone ever else can. <laughs> it's a very, very conditional. <laughs> uh, but continue, Brian. You were saying. Oh, man. I got I got two guys I really like, and I'll, I'll make it quick because I know we got some some hot takes coming up here in a couple seconds. But uh, first one, my man Steven Zimmerman. Uh, I'm a big fan of him. He is uh, not as well known. Big man out of UNLV. 
and he gave Scalabissier the absolute business back when they were on the high school circuit, back when people were thinking Scalabissier was going to be a top five pick. And then also I got my man Kay Felder. Yes, sir. Point guard out of Oakland, represent. Um, 21 years old, 5'10", buck 80. He's basically Isaiah Thomas 2.0. And he's known for just going off in all the big games. He gave Washington the business this year. Um, Averaged 24.4 points a game, 9.3 assists. And, you know, if he were three inches taller, he'd no doubt be a lottery selection. I like it. I'm a big K Felder fan myself. Um, and Brian Morris is the self-proclaimed leader of the K Felder stand club. So, I'm out uh, here representing K Felder, waving the flag. <laughs> okay. Thanks for coming on, Brian. That was our first guest ever. Mr. Brian Morris, a generally all-around good guy. Thank you very much. And I'd just like to say, no doubt about it, I would be able to beat any other draft expert's ass, including Chad Ford. <laughs> I'm calling you out, Chad Ford. <laughs> Put his name in the street. I forgot we were going to talk about that. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Brian, shout out your Twitter real quick if the fans want to talk some chat forward with you. Yeah, if you want some hot takes and uh, general haterism, you can follow me at Brian7Morse. That's with an M, B-R-I-A-M, 7 Morse. Good looks, guys. Have a good time. Hey, thanks, Brian. Appreciate thanks, it, Brian. man. Okay, now to move on to our next segment, one of my favorites. It's 808 Gate. Oh, <laughs> let's go. This is when we're going to tell you if conspiracy theories are true or not. You don't need to go on Wikipedia. You don't need to research online. You don't need to post on forums about Bigfoot or anything. Just come listen to this podcast. It's all good. We give you all the definitive answers. Remember, cite us in all of your scholarly articles. And if you're in grad school, just send them our way. So what we're going to talk about this week is fluoridation of water. Fluoridation is when you add fluoride to the public water supply to reduce tooth decay. (laughs) In the 1950s and 60s, conspiracy theorists claimed that fluoridation was a communist plot to undermine American public health. In 1995, in Nexus magazine, Charles Elliot Perkins said that small repeated doses of uh, fluoride will in time reduce an individual's power to resist domination by slowly poisoning (laughs) a certain area of the brain and will thus make him submissive to the will of those who wish to govern him. Rio, it's a known fact that the U.S. does this. It costs every American about $1.02 a year. Do you think they could be, uh, you know, up to no good here? So... In terms of, uh, do you, so do you think they're looking at it from the poison standpoint or from the, uh, the make you unable to resist? I, I think it's more uh, infinitesimal amounts that will in time reduce our ability to resist domination and thus make us submissive. And it's like, I'm pretty sure, I know that it is in the U.S. And you said we pay how much? A dollar and two cents per person per year. Man, and that doesn't come back in that uh, tax refund, does it? I don't think so. Um, I just think that's insane. And it's like, in the fact that it's so widely known, though, I feel like it's a very well-covered thing in terms of you at least hear about fluoride and water. Me, personally, I thought whenever I would hear people get mad about it, I'd be like, why are they pissed off about fluoride? Like, that's that's great. That's good stuff for you. That's that shitty thing that they make you do with the when you get your teeth cleaned um you used to have to put that foam in your mouth you had to hold it there for like a little bit i'm not crazy this is really what they do 
Um, but I always just assumed fluoride was a good thing, and maybe it's part of Big Fluoride Corporation trying to make us know, make us think that's a good thing by keeping it well known to us. But um, you seem to have some research on here. I'd like to hear a little bit more. So yes, I do, and I, I mean I've met people who think this, who uh, think that fluoride is you know poisoning us or mind controlling us or anything like that. And earlier you mentioned that doesn't come back in your tax return. But economists say that it does come back in a different return. Oh. It, it, it saves you $38 of dental treatment a year, according really? to economists. So there is a return on investment, some ROI for you. But at what co- at cost of mind control? <laughs> oh, man. Is it yeah. worth $38? We're all just little robots with nice teeth, maybe. That could be it. <laughs> but the University of York created a 258-page document. And we reviewing- read all of it. Yeah, reviewing everything there is to know about fluoride in the public water. And they concluded that there is no clear evidence of other adverse effects from water fluoridation. I'm not quite sold yet, okay? (laughs) I got some other research for you. Who knows? These people could be part of big fluoride. I'm sure they are. Lay it on us, D-Rock. So there is a clear adverse effect. Oh. That earlier statement was besides this. Dental fluorosis, which can uh, – it basically can just give you like white streaks on your teeth. That's about it. Uh, and the World Health Organization suggests 0.5 to 1.5 milligrams per liter of fluoride in your water. The United States regulates it at uh, 0.7 milligrams per liter. So we're less than half of the upper limit. It was 1.2 milligrams per liter, and we lowered that. What do you think about your country, you know, looking after your teeth and preventing uh, fluorosis? I'm concerned why they are putting such an emphasis on our teeth, though. If you said it only saved, it'll save you $38 a year. and But, like, I, there has to be – I'm trying to, like, wrap my mind around why they would make it a point. What, what boardroom did they sit down in and say, look, guys, we got some serious shit going on. There's the, there's the Red Scare. We got the Cold War going on. What do you guys think we need to do? And they're just like, well, if we have great teeth, you never know. Maybe we should just bomb all the all the water, make everyone sparkling. Does fluoride have like a smell or a taste? Is it like, have we just been, do we not know what regular water tastes like? I don't think it has a smell or a taste. It actually comes from rocks and whatnot. Like it occurs naturally, but you can add more in your public treatment plants. This uh, this yeah. is the one that really sold me, okay? This this is what me got me pretty skeptical on the whole mind control thing. The <laughs> CDC, otherwise known as the Center for Disease Control, named fluoridation of drinking water to prevent tooth decay as one of the 10 great public health interventions of the 20th century. Wait. I mean, <laughs> I, I trust the CDC, and they say it's great. They say well, it's one of the 10 best interventions of the 20th century. I mean, like, that's... That's pretty That's big evidence. State. What else? What, do you have know anything else that was on that list? Uh, no. Soap. I'll have to get back to you. <laughs> soap. Soap's, soap's probably on there. Um, you know, I think as long, so long as the CDC also isn't working for Big Fluoride Corporation, because that's exactly what they would do if they were working for them. But I think uh, I do get a good feel from your data here. But I think I need to, like... Just take it from the fluoride aficionado who read all 258 pages of that report. 
What are you feeling here, my man? So it's time to reach a conclusion. It's time to talk about, you know, the final answer that you can take to your coworkers, take to your parents. And the 808 gate ruling on the fluoridation of water is it is the conspiracy is false. False. Okay? It's just to prevent tooth decay. No one's controlling your mind. Uh, it's not. It's not socialists and communists. They're, it's it's just to you know save you some money at the dentist. Although there is real controversy on whether it's ethical or not, because you're kind of just providing people with this supposed they health benefit without without them knowing. That's true, man, man. But you know what? They're making us all so pretty. And I think that's great. Less trips to the dentist, that's fine by peen. Hey, it's good with me, too. And you right. know what else is good with me? You know, check it, seeing what's hot. Oh, what's hot with Rio? You're about to know, man, I'm hot right now. And it's hot. Woo. Just in time for the summer solstice, man. We're giving Burn you some it up. hot links. I'm shirtless right now. He is actually shirtless right now. All right, D-Rock, we're going to just dive right in in about three seconds. All right, so first story today coming out of one of my favorites, Fortune.com. So you've probably been aware of, you know, if you're a social media user, maybe had a message in your DMs or in your inbox of some sort or some link you see that says something like, oh, my God, look at this picture of you. Everybody's talking about it. And just some, like, vague link on it. And, you know, if you're not exactly the most savvy, or even if you're just, like, kind of not even thinking about it, you'll click on that. And then all of a sudden, it just starts taking over your page and starts sending it to all your friends and things like that. Also, it was just spamming. Uh, Just this week, the uh, people call him the Spam King. He was arrested, got 30 months in prison, um, and he was so his stats here if you guys are into your stats he is so far he's been doing this since the 90s and just in facebook messages he sent 27 million facebook messages from 500,000 different accounts that he made and he was sending them to users who they'd click on them and he would send it to all theirs and he was making money by doing this by directing traffic to certain websites so this guy was doing this since the 90s. He was doing it, you know, on, I'm sure you, there was a bunch of them on MySpace and all of this. But they got him. But uh, do you think 30 months? Do you think that's like, uh, do you think that's too harsh? Do you think it's not enough? I, I mean. 30 months is nowhere near enough. I'm outraged over this. <laughs> if you think about how much time this guy's wasted for the general public, sending 27 million messages or something like that, you could give this guy one one thousandth of the time he wasted and he would have like a life <laughs> sentence 30 months is nothing yeah that, it's this oh i'm hot right now oh i'm hot right now yeah i think that uh and i think that was like the max sentence he could get for his whatever crime he committed so i thought that was like that was pretty bush league i think they should have slapped the cuffs a little harder on him um but hey shouts out to the spam king you're a douche <laughs> um all right next story stop spamming me stop spamming Next door, oh, man, you already know where it came from. Fortune.com, baby. Woo! Woo! Okay. Um, okay. So a story out of, I believe this is in London, um, they have 3D printed a self-driving and talking shuttle. Oh, never mind. It's, it's in Washington, D.C. I was lying. 
It's a self-driving, self-printed, and it talks, and it's a shuttle that they're using now. Um, And the creepiest thing I read about this, um, other than the fact that you're going to be riding around in something that's 3D printed, which I I don't know if uh, how comfortable people would be with that yet, but it's like programmed to not only talk to people, but like learn from people and like be able to learn from that and have more conversations with them. So it's programmed to have full conversations with you. Um, D Rock, do you think that's incredibly creepy? And two, how long until people just corrupt this poor, innocent talking <laughs> machine? Like, I'm, I'm sure you. I don't know if you saw that that Twitter account that I think it was like Microsoft or something tried to put out to. Um, oh, it was IBM, I think, put it out to. Um, she was supposed to. She was like a teenage girl, pretty much. It was just a computer who's supposed to learn from interactions with people, and they just started like saying horrible things to her, and she just started <laughs> saying all this racist stuff. Like, I'm sure they're going to do this. There's going to be this racist, horrible, self-driving shuttle driving around Washington, D.C., just spouting off just complete heresy. Like, what do you what do you feel on this, D-Rock? I, that is really weird. Because the part that strikes me is the shuttle would be like product number 2000 on the list of things that I want to talk to me and learn <laughs> from me, right? Yes, like like your TV maybe you can be like, hey, what do you want to what do you want to watch? But a shuttle like I'm just trying to get to my location, man. I'm not trying to, you know, teach you something. And I don't know. I hopefully it'll just learn something about the nice history of Washington D.C. or something. But that Twitter story makes me doubt that. There's no way. There's people are <laughs> we're not good people. It's like, and this is a 12 person shuttle. I think like that's a lot of possible things that can. Imagine if they had they just get like you know some handsome Pittsburgh based men's volleyball club team like in that okay. shuttle it'd have been okay. a, it'd be a wrap it would have been a wrap they would have had to decommission it immediately yeah um, yeah that that thing will be uh, mentally poisoned for life if it <laughs> would have got those that group of gentlemen uh, your boy's actually done a bit of three D printing in the fa- in the past in college and it like boggles my mind that you could print something that large and like also program it which i don't really understand (laughs) but this isn't a podcast about the technology behind 3d printing so what's up next (laughs) what 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 else is hot real so um we were we grew up in this area you may or may not have played this game um it's pokemon i don't know if you ever played referred Um, to as pokemon by every adult (laughs) ever pokemans um so I don't know if you've heard of this game that they've been trying to put out on uh, iPhones for a while called Pokemon Go. Um, it's like basically it's you take your smartphone around, it goes through your camera and like these, you know, they just appear in public and you can like catch them or I don't even know how it works. And I've been trying to wrap my head around this for so long because like sounds great on paper, but like, does that mean you're just like running around in public, like on the streets, just like, with your phone, just like having a fake, like trying to catch, trying to catch your Eevee. Like, my God, how is this? And it's so popular. People are losing their minds about it. But like, it seems like something that would like get you institutionalized immediately. If someone just saw you running around like that, like, do you, do you (laughs) think you'd have any interest in this? I mean, and I'd have to look more into this, but it's literally like just a real world Pokemon that's just on the go and it's works through your phone camera. Well, it's funny you asked me that. Not that big of a fan of Pokemon. Like, I had a binder like everyone else did. But 
big fan of Pokemon Snap for N64. Of course. I don't know if you've played it. I had the strategy guide. I knew which apples (laughs) to throw at which Pokemon and stuff. This sounds really fun, but I I can't help but think there's got to be, like, more fun ways to do this. Like, maybe, like, a horror movie-themed app like this where you run around with your camera and shit just pops up at you and scares the shit out of you. (laughs) And you don't know what to think about it. But the, the whole Pokemon thing... I would have been fine with just another. I would have been fine with just a Apple iPhone compatible another Pokemon game. It could have been the same damn one, but I would have <laughs> been okay with that. I would have been really pumped. <laughs> I mean, yo, I don't, I don't play that. I mean, I, yo, that, like, I would never. Ne- play what? That. never. I mean, I, just, I don't have it. <laughs> um, so like, since that story didn't happen, we don't know what that was about. Last one here, I got for you, D Rock. Just something to draw on. Um, something that really shows you. We talked about how bad people are in terms of corrupting machinery. I'm going to talk about just some peace on Earth right here. And not just any peace. Some meta world peace. Some meta world peace. So there was a report. uh, Steven Jackson, formerly of the Indiana Pacers, uh, during the Malice in the Palace era, which Ron Artest was also on. Meta world peace. Um, So Steven Jackson did an interview in which he claimed that meta world peace speaks daily to the fan that threw that drink at him that started the entire thing and i'm I'm pretty sure meta punched him in the face at some point um but they talk every day and my thing is is this the most meta world peace thing of all time or is he just still just complete batshit crazy uh i i think the most meta world peace thing of all time was thanking his therapist after they won the nba finals <laughs> but uh he worked at he worked at circuit city while he was in the nba he applied for a job worked <laughs> at circuit city while he was on the bulls um but to co- continue sorry i'm i'm like really really happy about this though it, it like it was such a life-defining moment for the two of them it would have just been wrong if they didn't keep in touch it kind of reminds me of like uh you know a large inv- event in Game of Thrones or something like the red wedding like anyone who was there like that changed their life forever and just as the mouse in the palace did it was the worst you know sports fight that involved fans ever uh I know after it happened he asked if he, if anyone thought they would get in trouble for that <laughs> which which also might be the most meta world peace thing ever I, I'm a Meta World Peace fan, though. I think he was decent even after his skills started to fade. He always played good defense and stuff. I, 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 I just like to call him Ron Artest, though. I hate the whole Meta World, Meta World yeah. Peace thing. Or Panda Friend um, was his name when he was in China. So, I mean, the guy is just he's just multifaceted, man. Um, yeah, I'm not calling anyone Panda Friend. <laughs> hey, you never know. Unless you are a bear and are black with white spots or no white with black spots that's the only way i'll call you panda Panda friend all right we can live with that yeah just wanted to end it on a lighter note have some have some good-hearted story there to get past all the other bad shit that we talk about so that that really reinvigorated my faith in mankind thank you for that i appreciate it d-rock and uh sources are speculating but i feel like you might have something coming up for us right here Oh, we got fan questions! Oh, shit! Yo, the best way, if you want your fan question read, is to email us at 808sandhottakes at gmail.com. Or hit us up on Twitter. Uh, what's our Twitter handle, Pink? Twitter handle is same as the Gmail. It's at 808sandhottakes. 
uh, also known as 808 Sand Hot Takes. Um, <laughs> we got a fresh Twitter account up there. Throw us a follow, <laughs> and uh, you can either tweet us questions there. You can tweet anything you want us. We can talk about blue whales. You can talk about Game of Thrones. You can talk about cornhole. You can talk about anything. So. Also, we realized that no one else besides us thinks that sand joke is funny anymore. <laughs> when I was editing last episode, I counted. We did it three times. Oh, let's be real. I did it three times. <laughs> so. But we still think it's hilarious, okay? So what I need you to do is when we say it the first time, the real time, just hit that plus 15 seconds if it, on, on your podcast. If any of you guys are at the beach this summer, if anyone could send us a picture, if you can in the sand write <laughs> 808 sand hot takes. Send us that. You'll get a bunch of shout-outs, and uh, I'll give you a high-five if I ever see you. Yeah, free shout-out on our pod or on our Twitter. Literally, send us a pic of 808s and hot takes in the sand. Literally, you will, your name will be heard by dozens of people. <laughs> so <laughs> be sure to check that out. Um, but D-Rock, let us proceed. Okay, first is from Kevin Eklund, who I, um, I edited down a little bit because we already do a top five list. But... What is your favorite condiments for food? Mine is hot sauce. It goes on everything, and I love it, and I love all different kinds of it. What about you, Rio? Condiment, I'm going to have to go relish. I love relish, <laughs> man. You uh, relish in it. Hit me up on Twitter, man. I want to talk relish. <laughs> but seriously, I think, um, as the, although I don't really use it on that much stuff, Whenever I get the chance to toss a little relish on that hot dog or any of that stuff, I'm I'm always really pumped about it. My next question, I'm trying to go through these fast, but this one's pretty engaging. If you put an average pickup player, 5'10 to 6'1, let's call him 6'1, 180 pounds, say he's mediocre at everything, high school level. He's your classic mediocre high school player, 6'1, 180 pounds. You put him on the Warriors and he played all 48 minutes. How many teams in the NBA could you beat? I think that if the the opposing teams know that he's a high school player, then zero. <laughs> if if they don't know and you can, you're just spotting them up in the corner, like and people think he's an NBA level player, you you're taking out the Lakers, you're taking out the Sixers, you're taking out the Suns. Uh, uh, I, I think that's it. Maybe the Nets, probably about four teams. I would say. 11 games, because it's one more than the Sixers won. I still think they'd be better than the Sixers. Um, who asked this question? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. That's my friend uh, Scott McMurdy. Big fan of the pod. That's, that's, a, that's a good one. I like it. And I would love to see a mediocre high school player play a full 48 every for 82 games. <laughs> Is this assuming he stays healthy the whole time? <laughs> Does he well, condition like a high school player? Because he's going to be pretty tired. But, yeah, I'd say 11. 11 games. Okay, this next question is also from Scott McMurdy because he emailed us, and that's the best way to do it. It's pretty simple. Is a hot dog a sandwich? I think it is not a sandwich. I'm usually a letter of the law when it comes to the letter of the law versus the intention of the law guy, but in in this case, I just can't consider it a sandwich, man. It's a hot dog. Uh, Not a sandwich. No way. It's a hot dog. It's a hot dog. It's not a sandwich. I we ended up with two 808 gate segments today <laughs> yeah seriously you know what we're shutting the book on that one too man yeah. it's not a sandwich okay last segment we're finishing hot top five lists everyone loves it and we hope you just had a great sunday father's day with your dad hope you watched game seven with your dad maybe played today football, maybe did the helicopter throw <laughs> <laughs> maybe played the little rock band you grab a guitar and just shred it like rio um 
What, what best father son combos in sports history? Uh, number five, we got a guy who's very he's he's in all of our minds right now. It's Del Curry and Wardell Curry, aka Steph Curry. <laughs> I think it's fair. I mean, especially if even a little recency bias here, but I think that's a solid combo there. I mean, obviously their their accolades speak for themselves. Even though I don't think Del Curry really did that much, but yeah, this next guy gets penalized for not being that. His dad's not as great, too. Kobe Bryant and one of the great food nicknames in NBA history, Jelly Bean Joe Bryant. Jelly Bean Bryant, straight out of Italy, man. Oh, my goodness. I think that's a great – I think that might even be higher. I'm a big fan of Jelly Bean, man. Um, you know, I, I thought that, too, until I started doing some research, and there's some good ones. Gordy Howe recently passed away. Gordy Howe and Mark Howe. I didn't know this. Mark Howe. Four-time NHL All-Star and in the NHL Hall of Fame, and Gordie Howe is Mr. Hockey, obviously. I had no idea he even had a brother. Um, wait, did I say brother? Son. Oh, sorry. I said brother. Yeah, son. <laughs> All right, so wait. It was Gordie Howe's dad or it's his son? It's his son. Oh, it's yeah. his son. Okay. I feel like that's just such a hard shadow to even get out of, so I'm not surprised that he's probably not that well-known. Um, hockey players, feel free to rip into me for not knowing that he had a son. Yeah, come out as hockey players. Go Pens, too. I'm really happy. Yeah, we didn't shout out. Yeah, shouts out. Let's let's go. Uh, I wasn't able to go because I skipped work the day before to adopt a cat. Uh, to <laughs> That's go a back true on, story. To go true. back on uh, cat name questions, the cat's name is Douglas. Douglas, didn't, okay. did say on the episode. I like it. Number two, in my opinion, the greatest baseball player ever and his father, Barry Bonds and Bobby Bonds. Bobby Bonds was actually a three-time All-Star. The guy could play. And, you know, shouts out uh, another Pittsburgh time. Shouts out Pirates. Barry Bonds, uh, I agree. I think he I think he should, for now, be considered the greatest until we see what Mike Trout or Bryce Harper can pull off. That's a good point, but Barry's my man. Um, and everyone's doing it, okay? He was just the bet- best at it. It's not like he <laughs> steroids. The number one. It's got to be number one. I challenge anyone to tell me it's someone different. Ken Griffey Jr. and Ken Griffey Sr. Yep. Once hit back-to-back home runs. Ken Griffey Sr., three-time All-Star. I didn't know that. A lot of three-time and All-Stars on this list. Ken Griffey Jr., easily the coolest baseball player in history with the uh, backwards hat during the home run derby. Dude was awesome. Many of you don't know this. People didn't actually know you could wear hats backwards until Ken Griffey Jr. came out. So, you know what? <laughs> Another contribution. But the back-to-back home runs thing, I think it's the coolest stat. And just, just in time for Father's Day, even though it was, I guess, two days ago when you're listening to this. But, yeah, hope you guys had some bratwurst. Okay. <laughs> and that concludes it. We, uh, As we talked about earlier, we got a Twitter now, at uh, 808s and Hot Takes. You, got a you want to hit me up? It's at Derek Dubs, Rio. At Hullabaloo Sound, H-U-L-L-A-B-A-L-O-O Sound. Uh, just want to real quick, D-Rock, I have a very uh, rhetorical question. Was the smooth jazz um, R&B uh, bump and grind outro we played last week, was that the best song in the last 50 years or the last 100 years? Because, man, I was vibing to that thing all week. I still can't stop <laughs> listening to it. I was for sure bumping that in my car. It was definitely the best song in the last <laughs> 200 years or so. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, thank you, thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. Let us know what you think. Hit us up. We love our public engagement. And uh, shouts out Brian Morris for uh, being our first guest and being a real true savage and a generally decent all-around guy. 
great, generally all-around good guy. Uh, quick movie recommendation. Go see The Lobster if you haven't. It's with Colin Farrell. <laughs> Just watch the trailer. Uh, yeah, that does it for us this week. Thanks for tuning in again. We really appreciate it. See you next week. Got anything else to say, Rio? Have a great week, guys. Tell your dad you love him.